If you're listening to this, then you likely already know that being an independent musician can be a lonely road. And maybe your friends and your family just don't fully understand why you do what you do or why you invest so much time, energy, and, and money towards achieving your music goals. And especially early on, it can be hard to find people who really understand what you're trying to accomplish and how to make it happen. Uh, so that's where Modern Musician comes in. My name is Michael Walker, and you know I can understand and relate to that feeling. I've been there myself, and so has our team of independent artists. And the truth is that basically everything good in my life has been the result of music. It's the reason I met my wife. It's why I have my three kids. It's how I met my best friends. And now with Modern Musician, we've seen so many talented artists who started out with a dream, with a passion, but without really a fan base without a business and be able to take that and turn it into a sustainable full-time career and be able to impact hundreds of thousands, even millions of fans with their music. And we've had thousands of messages from artists who told us that we've helped change their lives forever. And it just gets even more exciting and fulfilling when you're surrounded by a community of other people who get it and who share their success and their knowledge with each other openly. And so if you are feeling called to make your music a full-time career and to be able to reach more people with your music, then I want to invite you to join our community so that we can support your growth and help lift you up as you pursue your musical dreams. You'll be able to interact in a community with other high-level artists, coaches, and industry professionals, as well as be able to participate in our daily live podcasts, meet these amazing guests, and get access to completely free training. If you'd like to join our family of artists who truly care about your success, then click on the link in the show notes and sign up now. But having some external accountability in that field is the most helpful thing. Like deadlines are incredible. Like when I have a deadline, I just get things done. And if I don't, I keep fiddling and twiddling with stuff. So it, it's like having those firm deadlines is what helps me like kind of push through and, and sometimes also be like, okay, this section, you know, maybe this break isn't exactly as perfect or beautiful as I wanted it to be, but it's good enough. Mm. Um, and you can always come back to this stuff later on. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with the one and only Hyperbits. So Hyperbits is a world-class producer. He's produced for industry giants like Beyonce, Nick Jonas, Tove Lo. He's been supported by some of the world's biggest artists like the Chainsmokers. Uh, he's personally been streamed over 52 million times with his music. And not only that, but he's founded one of the most popular uh, and well-regarded music production schools in the world, now teaching thousands of students in the art of music production. And, you know, it's amazing that you've done this for yourself, um, 52 million streams. But probably what's even more awesome is that your students have been streamed over a billion times on Spotify alone. Uh, so, you, you know, they've been supported by every prominent, uh, nearly every prominent DJ like Skrillex, David Guetta, and tons more. So uh, Hyperbit's the real deal, and it's been an honor getting to connect with you, man, and our uh, mastermind group that we've been a part of for the past couple of years. 
uh, in Hawaii, we had some fun conversations about you know, life and, um, and our role here, the pur- our purpose together and how we're serving musicians. So very grateful to have you in my life and really excited to have a conversation today for our, our podcast to be able to share some value with the community. So thank you for being here. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to be here, man. And, and right back at you, dude, I've, I've really appreciated our friendship and yeah, getting to know you. It's there's, there's just some people in life that like you instantly connect with. And I like really respect, it's kind of like when you speak, like I, I listen, you know, and, and I'm really, um, what's the word, I guess, proud of you in that, like you were, you've been able to create such an incredible like business and the way you go about it, I think is what's the coolest part about it like these masterminds and bringing communities together like life is that's what it's all about like connecting and, and doing cool shit together right I, I feel like i say that all the time but uh i really really value your uh contribution to the world man you're, you're killing it you're doing great <laughs> thanks man I, I appreciate that yeah and you're someone that i, I know you have a, a very cool uh, setup just in terms of your living environments and it's very entrepreneurial in, in nature. Maybe, maybe we'll even have a chance to, to dig into some of that uh, today. Sure. But uh, to kick things off, you know, I'd love to hear um, for anyone who's here, this is their first time connecting with you. Maybe you could share just a little bit of background in terms of you know, how you got started because I'm, I'm sure you didn't just start out immediately out of the gate working with Beyonce and Nick Jonas <laughs> and Tovlo, but you know, maybe, yeah. maybe there was you know, a process through which something like that happened. Yeah, I mean, I, to, I'm not. I won't go into the, the the earliest details, but you know, was in a band in high school. Have always been just like musical um, or or influenced by music my whole life. Like I played a little violin when I was like four or five years old. Picked up guitar, so like music has just always been a part of my life. Um, and then you know, like uh, kind of we're told to do. I, you know, I get the college degree, go into corporate America, and spend four years working as a pharmaceutical conference marketer, you know, every, every kid's dream. <laughs> right. Wow. And, um, dude, it, it sucked the life out of me. I truly, I like looking back on that. I, like, I, I, f- I feel like I've struggled with anxiety and maybe small bouts of depression in my life at certain points, but like looking back on that era, like working in a cubicle on something that I didn't care about was probably like the worst few years of my life. But I'm also super grateful for that experience because it basically led me to be like, I don't care like how I do this, but I'm going to pursue something that I'm passionate about. Mm. And it's actually why I got fired from my corporate job, which is kind of a <laughs> funny story in that like, I had just been dabbling with music production a little bit and I signed up for a, a school at the time. Um, it was uh, still running in New York City. It was called Dubspot. It's since closed down. And uh, the first day of classes coincided with a conference that I was supposed to like kind of be the marketing manager and run, um, down in, uh, Orlando. And I told my boss like a month before or something or two months before that I couldn't, I was like, I, you know, I got, I, I kind of hyped it up. I was like, I got accepted into this prestigious school. Like I can't miss the first day of classes this is something that's really important to me. And it's funny in that moment, right? Like this company could have supported my dreams, made it all work. They just got angry, right? They fired me two weeks later. Um, mm. which, also makes sense. I prioritized something on like, you know, a hobby, I guess at the time over, uh, my, my job, but it's funny. Cause yeah, I got, I got fired and thus was, you know, kind of, um, able to re- like kind of reset. Right. And I had, I got to collect unemployment for a few months. So I had a little bit of like bandwidth plus some savings. And I was like, I'm going to go into music. I don't care how it's going to happen. I'm just going to do it. Um, 
which by the way, I would never recommend anyone do this. I just like <laughs> kind of had that, you know, that naive beginner's mindset that I could do this. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's important too to like, I don't know, like acknowledge, you know, acknowledge that it seems like that's a recurring theme that I've seen from a lot of artists and successful people we've had on the podcast that they kind of had that moment where they made a decision and they went all in and just the way that you phrase it to you, you're like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to figure it out no matter what. Um, so I just want to yeah give you yeah. credit for that because you yeah, know, that, that takes, and um, I think it, a certain you amount see of a lot in, um, in entrepreneurship as well, right? Like a, a lot of people say like, yeah, if I actually knew how hard this was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. So it's really good that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> cause yeah, that, that sort of like, yeah, I get, it's, it's a, it's a belief in yourself, I guess. But, um, but it, it also is the reality, right? That like life is short and, um, why spend time doing things unless you're, you know, truly in love with what you're doing. And I was also super lucky and fortunate, right? I'm, I was young at the time. I didn't have much to lose. I didn't have a family, right? Like I, you know, I, I had New York City rent to pay. That was kind of like the main thing, which wasn't the easiest thing, but I, you know, I figured it out. I made it work. And yeah, and during that, during that period, I, uh, you know, like really started doubling down on music. I ended up creating this one remix that a, a DJ played out at some festival in New York and a bunch of a and R's at Universal heard that and reached out to me as a result of it, and they just were like, "Hey, let's grab a beer. We're kind of like right down the street from uh, from where I live." And so we just like got together and we ended up deciding to work together. They uh, they really kind of they helped me in so many ways, but one of the biggest things was just that at the time I probably created maybe one song every month or two, you know. And with them, they were like, "the the main catch here is like you got to create." at least once original or remix every two weeks. Like if you want to work with us, like that's, that's the kind of structure we're going to go for. I thought they were crazy at first, but when you commit to finishing music, it like, it, it, un, like it, it, it provides insight into all the areas that you struggle with for sure, but it also forces you to figure those things out. And so I went from, you know, finishing a few songs a year to, I think the first year that I worked with them, I, I created like 40 plus songs or something. Wow. And um, yeah, kind of like everything sort of like took off from there. All of a sudden, like they have me working on some like projects for other artists, uh, doing some engineering work, things like that. Uh, and and yeah, it just kind of like, um, I, I guess that was like the main kickoff point. And then I, I started a side project uh, called the Rooftop Boys for a little while. And that project had just like a ton of success in terms of like the the remix world uh that's what connected me with nick jonas um yeah it, it kind of like you know things things started to take off from there and and all that being said you know i i once i started touring a little bit i realized that that actually wasn't the thing that i loved the most like i truly love the creation of music which is then what led me to be like all right let me like rethink my life a little bit and what can i do to maybe um make that more of my like full-time thing and that's what influenced me starting a music production school and it literally started just as like one-on-one -on -one sessions with a few individual students um and then it turned into this thing that this is like 2015 2016 i was like all right let me just see what happens i'm just gonna put together a class put it out there and uh and yeah a bunch of bunch of people ended up signing up and i got a really good response and I've just basically been like doubling down and working on that as my focus for the past like seven years. And it wasn't until this past year that I've gotten like almost like back in like, you know, full circle, full swing back to just like creating music again. And it's been really, 
I've been I've been having a blast. I've just been having such <laughs> a good time making music again. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's so awesome. I mean, there's there a few things that stuck out from your story. I mean, one <clears throat> was how, you know, in retrospect, some of those challenging times or like the things that would, would seem really bad in the moment, you know, like getting fired from your job or, you know, going through issues like that, those actually, you wouldn't be who you are. You wouldn't be where you are if it wasn't for that. Um, so I just think that's interesting. And for maybe for anyone who's listening to this, who might be in the middle of one of those times or feels uncomfortable or, you know, feeling like they're struggling, it, it's, it's always nice to hear. It's easier in hindsight to look back and you'll be able to point out those things and be like, oh yeah, like everything does have a purpose and, and you can transmute challenge into like a blessing and maybe that's even what we're here to, to do that I, I thought was awesome and and also one thing i, I think we could dig deeper into today because I, I think this is something that would be a helpful insight you know for uh, a lot of musicians maybe is just understanding the you know the concept of quantity over quality you know you mentioned how you had this like period in your life where you went from creating maybe one or two songs every few months to like every other week you had this structure and you were just like really up to the quantity. And so I'm curious from your perspective, um, you know, how would you recommend that artists who maybe are here right now, who maybe they're kind of in a similar phase where they're wondering, you know, what content like release calendar should I create? How much should I be creating? How much should I be releasing it? And to what standard do I need to kind of like hold myself? Um, I'm curious if you have any perspective on, yeah, quantity over quality and a best, best practices for it. Yeah. I mean, tons of thoughts there. I think like just having released again, you know, I've had to relearn how to release music, right? Because I was using mostly like SoundCloud back in the day. Um, Spotify what hadn't really taken off yet. Uh, and and releasing music, you know, with, with Spotify and Apple Music as the focus, it actually seems like every six weeks is sort of the ideal timeline to release a song. I feel like there's kind of this like hype curve that you can create where if you wait a little longer than that, things really do start to die off in terms of streaming numbers and playlistings and things like that. Whereas if you consistently are able to release a single every six weeks, like it can keep building upon itself. That's not to say that you can't do it a little slower than that, maybe eight to 12 weeks, but there's something really special about that six week number I'm seeing. And with that in mind, it's kind of like, okay, well, that means you got to create how many songs per year? I'm the worst person at mental math. I just, like, I just did the math. I did the math <laughs> in my calculator. It's 8.666. Yeah. 6666. <laughs> so 8.6 songs repeating, right? Every So mm. what's interesting about that is that then a lot of people would be like, oh, okay, so I have to create eight songs per year um, mm -hmm. or nine, whatever. But the problem with that mentality is that you're now assuming that all eight of those songs that you create are going to be your best work. I mean, it might mm. be, it's possible, but what I've found is that for every like three or four, maybe even sometimes five songs I create, there's usually one standout and it mm. doesn't have anything to do with like, I think, uh, and hopefully this doesn't sound cocky. It has nothing to do with my talent or my, um, just skill set inside of, of, of creating music songs just have a magic to them. And this is like my belief that like, there's just something really untangible about it. Like, I don't know why sometimes hooks work or why certain things resonate with other people. It's actually not my, Soul. like, it's not my job yeah. to know, you know? Mm. 
And so what were you going to say? Anything? Oh, I was going to say soul. <laughs> you know, it's like that. It's like that. Uh, the word to describe the wordless, right? Yeah. That's, it does feel like that's yeah, kind of maybe that's where music comes from. Yeah, yeah. And 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 with that in mind, it's like okay, wait a second. So like that that would mean I actually should be creating, you know, eight times three or eight times four, right? Like uh, so into the the twenties, maybe thirty tracks per year. Um, and you don't have to release all of them, but, but the quantity allows you to like also put a lot less pressure on every single song. Like it actually doesn't need to be that perfect. And if you, if you think about it, like the more time you spend on a, on an individual song doesn't necessarily equate to it becoming better. A lot of, like a lot of artists, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this at any point, right. Are artists themselves. Like, you know, that a lot of times the best songs happen the fastest. They just look like mm. they come out of you. They just mm. appear in an hour or two. And then you're just like, what, how did that happen? And you tap into this mm. flow state or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. but yeah, there, there's a, a huge misconception. I think that the more time you spend on a song, the better it's necessarily going to be. And I just, I don't correlate those two things. There mm. are times for sure where when you create an idea, uh, it needs fine tuning and you have to like struggle through it a little bit that that happens. That's why this isn't like this firm, firm deadline of like a song a day or a song a week or a song every two weeks. You can play with it a little. Um, but having some external accountability in that field is the most helpful thing. Like deadlines are incredible. Like I, I'm I don't know if I'm just a procrastinator and I'm just, you know, like this is my problem. But when I have a deadline, I just get things done. And if I don't, I keep fiddling and twiddling with stuff. So it, it's like having those firm deadlines is what helps me like kind of push through and and sometimes also be like, okay, this section, you know, maybe this break isn't exactly as perfect or beautiful as I wanted it to be, but it's good enough. Mm. Um, and you can always come back to this stuff later on. Mm. Yeah, there's there's so much value there. Um, I mean, the f first point that stuck out was when you mentioned, look, if you want to release a song every six weeks, if you want to release eight songs a year, then you shouldn't aim to write eight songs in the year, but you should actually aim to write, you know, three to five songs for every one song you're expecting to actually release. Um, that just rings true from the 80-20 rule. Yeah, I, I, everyone yeah. that I know that's like you, everyone that's successful, like, they understand this as a core principle of, of, uh, life and production. Um, and just productivity in general is the idea that, you know, 20% of what you do is going to result in 80% of the results. And it's, it's sort of interesting how that just, it just goes deeper. Like you can keep, you can go to the 80, 20 of the, the 80, 20 and, <laughs> yeah. and you can like kind of keep doing that. But it, yeah. it's great to hear that applied to music. Yeah, and 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 I feel like if sometimes I don't know why, like it's harder to apply this thinking maybe to your own craft, like inside of music. But when I think about it, like in something that I'm not uh, proficient in, something like maybe painting or or writing, you know, like if I was pursuing a new craft, or or if anyone was, right, like if who would create better art, like the person who spent one year on a painting or the person who spent the entire year making one painting per day. Hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a painter, so I can't, I can't say this with 100% confidence, but like 95% confidence. I got to believe that the person who created one piece of art every single day hmm. is going to become more proficient because they're attacking different problems 
every single time they approach it, they learn techniques that maybe wouldn't have been applied to one of like, you know, the one painting that they created. Um, so it's yeah, funny it, you mentioned that, um, that actually is a study. There's like a scientific study of an art teacher who, who did that with his class. He had, really? uh, one, one half of the class had the, um, that basically what they were doing is creating a pot and they had the full semester to basically get it as perfect as possible. And the other half was working on it and they could basically screw up and like their, their idea was that they wanted to do it as, as much as possible. And by the end of it, it was night and day. Like the ones that spent all of their time trying to get the perfect pot the whole semester, um, the quality of it was significantly worse than the people who did it repeatedly mm. over time. That's so yeah. cool. I gotta. Look I, I, would, I would love to. Yeah, we should Google the actual report. Maybe someone could share that in the chat too for anyone who's listening to this. But yeah, that, that's interesting. That that exact idea has been like you know, scientifically proven. Um, which I mean, you know, you you uh, already knew that was true because of your own experience of having you know, seen the difference it made when you went from focusing on you know quality and spending all your time and energy, which like you mentioned, doesn't necessarily equate to like better output at a certain point. Yeah. But there's um, something really, really cool about, cause like, you know, my, my experience is anecdotal. It's, it's based on my life and it's based on my artist friends and my entrepreneur friends and what I've seen in the world. So to see like almost, or to hear about a study that actually like kind of truly supports this, like it actually gave me chills. I was like, Oh, like this all just makes sense. Like it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, I come back to this analogy a lot cause I, I think it, um, symbolizes what we're talking about really well but you know if you want to get good at shooting free throws who's going to get better at shooting free throws the person that you know shoots every two months like and, and tries to make it in or the person that just steps up and you know, shoots repeatedly and you know aims and and you do need to have a feedback system right like if you just are blindfolded and you're just like shooting the free throw and you don't know where it landed or if you're close to it at all then you know you actually might not get better so actually that that, that leads to a another um follow-up question going deeper into it, which is you know, how do you best maximize, let's say that someone's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I'm going to step up my output, my creativity, and I'm going to make a commitment this year to um, create what would be about 40, 40 songs over the course of the year. And they're going to choose their favorite one out of five, and they're going to release them every six weeks. Um, so in terms of best maximizing their growth, you know, I, I would love to hear your recommendations in terms of you know, creating a feedback system or how, what's the best way to learn and grow based on that. So you're not just, you know, creating this in a bubble and maybe you put it out, but you have no idea what like actually happened or you have, you're not actually learning from it. Um, how do you best plug in to be able to get feedback and iterate over time? Yeah, that's a, such, such a good question. And I, I think the first thing that you probably shouldn't do is just post your song on a red, on a subreddit somewhere and just like get complete strangers feedback because they are coming from <laughs> who knows what genres they're listening to, who knows how proficient mm. they are in music. They mm. might be it might be an A&R from Universal, I don't know. It also could just be someone who's bitter and angry and and wants to hurt people. Like and I'm not mm. say I'm not saying that like to discredit people hanging out on Reddit. I love Reddit. I just feel like you have to trust the source. Um, and mm. so there's a bunch of ways to, I think, go about this. And first off, the easiest one, we all, most of us have a friend, right? That we just either really respect their music taste 
or you're into similar genres or, you know, some like they don't even need to be a music producer, but they do need to be like deep into like listening into that genre of music, right? Like they're just like, mm-hmm. they live and breathe this stuff. They have mm-hmm. the 10,000 hours of like what sounds good without even necessarily knowing it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're always the best at like providing production feedback, but they will capture the vibe or not, right? They'll be like, ah, you know, it, it might, you know, it might not land for them and maybe they'll get better at giving you feedback. But I feel like having just a friend, you know, almost like a vibe check. I have like a buddy of mine that lives here in this entrepreneur house. Mm-hmm. He has a tattoo of the label that like, mm-hmm. I'm, it's one of my favorite labels. They call this never happened, but, uh, that lane eight runs. Um, and I just, I hit him up for vibe checks twice a day. I'm like, yo, what, uh, what do you think of this right here? Like, is this like, uh, is this, are you feeling this? And he just gives me immediate feedback and sometimes gives really good ideas. Um, and then beyond that, I think, um, forming an accountability group is something that can be really beneficial. This takes a little bit more work in that you have to find, uh, you know, maybe some other producers, but I'm not, I'm not talking about like 10 plus, like find one, two, maybe three people, keep it super simple. And you can start with just a monthly meeting maybe get up to every two weeks or every week. But the goal would literally just be like, Hey, let's, let's connect every week and, uh, showcase, like show our music with each other and give each other some like feedback. And they'll also get to know your style and preferences. And it's, it's not about just like fitting into the, you know, the, the cookie cutter, like example of popular music in one genre. Like they'll, they'll understand your taste and your preferences. And I do think that that stuff matters. Cause yeah, any, you can take any idea into any other genre or, or space, but for someone to understand like what it is that you're trying to do is just as important as like, uh, the generic kind of feedback advice. So accountability groups, uh, is another one. And then, um, you know, I, I run a music production school. I don't care if you sign up for mine. I just care that at some point you invest in your education because those places are littered with passionate like-minded hungry people and you will you i mean you'll you'll learn something but you'll connect with other people and and really streamline that process of getting feedback oftentimes you know from uh faculty or or producers themselves or other students and like that can really really uh speed up and and streamline the process Mm. so good yeah there's something so valuable about surrounding yourself with people that want you to succeed and are there for the shared purpose of helping you grow. Mm. You, and that can be a hard thing to find sometimes. You know, like if you have people in your life that love you and want to support you and they're like your grandma, they're like, <laughs> you sound great, Bobby. But, you know, they don't necessarily, like, you know, those people might not necessarily have the best constructive feedback. They're not really there to kind of help you evolve and grow. And they don't, you know, they don't fully understand, you know, how to communicate some of the different things together. It's just, yeah, I, I love what you guys have built and and I love the ability to be able to network with artists who are going through, you know, a similar journey and help each other grow. So in terms of output, so I, I love the the strategy that, that you just shared too. So like for, for me, I'm, I was like the weird kid in high school that liked math. So like, I, I like um, having like clear numbers and targets and it's like, okay, cool. So if, if you know that to break it down, you want to aim for a song every six weeks and you know that you want to, you create three to five songs, or if you want to really lean into the 80, 20 rule, it's like five songs 
And then I'm going to choose my favorite one out of those five and I'm going to release it every six weeks. I think that creates a lot of uh, clarity just in terms of like creating a system and something to commit to. So kind of putting that backbone in place, um, I'm curious what you would recommend uh, in terms of, you know, right now we're, this is an interesting one, we're at this uh, convergence of AI technology and like generative music um, and, you know, we've already experienced the shift from like analog to digital. And, you know, I know analog still has its place for a lot of people, but yeah, I'm curious based on your, um, experience and based on you, like doing it right now, living it, um, what do you see as the biggest opportunities for artists who maybe they've decided they've made a commitment and they've said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And they're wondering, um, how do I get started or what tools should I even like think about using in order to make something like this happen? Yeah. I mean, it's a, I, I will say there's so many different routes to go down. If you're, if you're specifically talking about like, how can I utilize sort of the, um, the uptick in AI tools to maybe like help my creative output. There are, there are a few just like really like, really good tools that can help you generate more ideas. So something as simple as I feel like most producers are familiar with splice. They, you know, huge sample, sample pack company. They have something called splice sounds, which can help you generate ideas at the click of a button. Uh, there's something called soundful, which is a little bit more nuanced in that you can set a specific genre and just a BPM and also click an idea and it generates a whole song for you. The, um, the thing with those is that like, you're never going to get some sort of a result just from like one click where you're like, up oh, hit single. It's, you know, <laughs> done. Right. It, mm. to me, it's just about finding these like tiny little moments inside of something that inspires you. A lot of mm. times that can also just be referencing your favorite artist, right. And being like, oh man, like that's a, that was just a really cool song and I want to create something like that. But what I'm looking for when I'm using those types of AI tools is like, is there a piece of the melody or the drum pattern or the vibe that it created that inspires me and makes me excited to want to like expand on that? Um, so th those two, those two are really good tools. There's also like, once you get into the actual, you know, project file, maybe you've created a chord progression or something. Um, there's a tool called Unison Bass Dragon, which it all, they also have Unison MIDI Wizard, which again, you can basically set the, you can actually set the root notes of the chord progression that you've already written, and then it'll generate some melodies or bass lines for you, which again, can just be really cool to like hear. Cause, cause you, this is where I think things get interesting in terms of AI is that like, if I only utilize my own mind to write, I am limited to the knowledge that I have, which Sure. Like you can spend a lot of time learning, uh, music, you can study music theory, all this stuff, and you can improve your skill by playing instruments, but you're still limited to your own experiences. Whereas when you're using these plugins or these tools, it's learning from everything. Right. And now what you get to do is actually rely on your taste as your main differentiator. It's like mm -hmm. you can scroll through endless amounts of melody generations and presets and things like that but something is going to happen and you're going to be like, Ooh, that was really cool. Like it's that classic, like happy accident, right? Like those magic mistakes that you sometimes make when you hit the wrong, you put the wrong MIDI file into the wrong instrument or you hit a wrong note. Like those, 
it's like those on steroids. You're just getting mistakes everywhere and it sounds like shit sort of for the most part. And then there's something in there that you're like, all right, I'm going to pull this out. There's also one called um, Pilot Plugins or something by Mixed and Key. They also have some mel melody generated things, which can be cool. Um, they basically have like an electronic batch of plugins and then one for more just like pop and rock as well. So those are those are those are really cool, but I'm I'm more partial to um, to the Unison stuff. I just have had better experience, but it's also made. Well, no, they have different genres too. Uh, but I've just had a better experience with those so far. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And yeah, I know um, things are evolving so quickly that um, there's probably going to be new tools a year, for, like half half a year from now, a year from now. And so I think some of the stuff that we've talked about already in terms of just foundational principles and things that don't really change are super valuable to take into account um, more, more so than focusing too much on the nitty gritty of exactly which tools while still being valuable to know right now at the time of recording this and we're, we are here live in the present moment. So it is nice to know what are the tools that, that you're using right now to, to do it. Yeah. And awesome. I'll just add one last thing to that. Like if you're really struggling with, um, yeah, with just like creative output, right? Like uh, it can be also very intimidating to like just finish a song right every week or whatever timeline you set for yourself. One cool thing that a lot of artists do a lot of times, maybe before they're trying to create an album or something, they'll do like a creative sprint, right? Where like, it's actually not your job to finish songs right now. You're just trying to create as many ideas as possible, which is a way to sort of hack this 80-20 principle because you don't actually have to finish any of these songs yet. You're going to maybe, maybe you set, okay, it's February is coming up. Is it 29 days this year? It's the leap year. So you got 29 days. 29 ideas and then once you come out of that month and it, now it's time to start finishing them and then you'll be in that like headspace of just finishing once you've just output all these ideas and and then from there you pick the best 20 percent 30 percent whatever and uh hmm. and, and try to finish those out hmm. super interesting yeah i know this is like definitely a different mental faculty that comes into play when it comes to like creative stuff versus editing and versus refining and that sometimes they can kind of get in the way of each other so it makes sense yeah. that if you can kind of carve out the window to be like okay like you know nothing's wrong here <laughs> like it's all just ideas i'm gonna be creative and it might be messy and suck but you know i'm just gonna generate stuff um and then you can have a different angle for coming at and being like okay i'm gonna refine this and kind of edit out and get to the best stuff yeah and and like really really finding a way to love both of those processes. Cause like, I think that sitting down and creating like an empty DAW in front of you or an, like, you know, blank guitar. I don't know if that makes sense, but if you have a, like if you're creating something from nothing to me, that can be such a fun little, like just place to play, right? Like you're just, you're creating from scratch. It's such an inspiring, fun idea. And then a lot of people lose momentum later, mm -hmm. but there's magic in the creation of something from nothing, but there's also, maybe arguably even more magic in like bringing that idea across into a full song. Cause that's the, that's what people are actually going to hear. And a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it's not almost as important, like what you write in that initial idea as how you go about introducing it. You know, mm -hmm. like how do you get to this idea? How do you play with it? How do you tweak it and change it and like manipulate it as the song progresses? Like, what tension does it create? Like that's the stuff that 
people are actually going to hear. So I feel like just, just acknowledging that like you may love one or the other, but there's so much magic in both of them. Um, mm. and like trying your best to like find that magic and find that beauty. Cause there's, there's just so much there waiting to be uncovered. <laughs> oh man. I love it. The, uh, what came to mind as you were sharing that was almost like on a philosophical level, life itself is sort of like this unlimited playground of like creativity and potential and that, you know, so much of the beauty comes from what we do with that or what, you know, evolves or blossoms out of it. And, and, uh, some of those decisions that, yeah. you know, the, the, the opposite of like potential is sort of the actualization of it. Um, and you do have to have both. You have to appreciate both in order to, um, be plugged in and continue to blossom. Yeah. I'm, uh, my intention for 2024 is to is to seek magic like to look for it wherever i can because i i have a tendency to just like default into negativity it's just i don't know it's how i was maybe yeah, it's something human brains yeah right? it's, we, it's, just it's the human more brain. risky to you know, we want, yeah that's that's what i've heard it's like you know, we, we look for risk that's why the news is usually like you know what leads uh what bleeds leads is because we have more mental processing devoted towards paying attention to risks or dangers uh, because that's, you know, what helped us survive over time. Like it's more important to avoid the tiger that is walking in front of you than it is to like, you know, go eat the berries on a bush. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So and that, that's what like, I was actually, it's funny cause this is a quick, quick tangent, but I was watching Rambo for the first time. I've never seen Rambo. This was like, I've never month, seen it either. I ago. feel like yeah. I probably should. So like, well, I, I don't know how much you knew about this movie going into it. I didn't know anything. I just have, you know, I've seen the trailers and like see the picture of him with the massive machine gun. So I was ready for like <laughs> this, like I was ready for the, the shoot em up eighties action Hollywood thriller. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not that at all. It's actually this really kind of somber story of, of someone who comes back from Vietnam and can't kind of like find his way back into society. It's actually like a really, wow, really like dark and kind of scary, like not, not like a, like horror movie scary, but just, you know, how real that situation was. And, and this movie was actually made not that long after Vietnam. So it's actually a very timely piece and all that, but hmm. I was watching it and not getting the action Hollywood thriller. And I was like, this movie fucking sucks. Like this is terrible. <laughs> and I, and I'm like, you know, I watched it and then there was this like really beautiful ending scene where he's crying in his former general's arms. And I was like, so confused. I was like, it's going to end with like Sylvester Stallone getting like just crying. Like I was so, con I, 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 it wasn't registering. And so I started Googling a little bit about it and like I got onto Reddit and I, I and like I started learning about it and I was like, I just watched a beautiful movie and couldn't get out of my own mind of my prior expectations and defaulting into mm. like these negative mindsets. And I, mm. and that's, I literally was like, okay, this is like a few days before the new year. I was like, you know what? I got to start looking for the magic and things like keeping that open heart and just being like, cause, cause I, I, I ruined that movie for myself. I mean, I'll go back and watch it at some point, but I feel like there's something in that that I'm going to mm. try to apply to everything. Mm. Oh man, oh, what a great uh, story! <laughs> Thank you for sharing that too. It's going to help me uh, prime myself if I if and when I watch Rambo. <laughs> I wouldn't be expecting that, and it's so funny because that's exactly what I would expect too. Is like Rambo, he's like in the forest and he's just yeah. like fighting and killing people. 
Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I just think it takes a large degree of self-awareness and like self-actualization to even be aware of your own thought process and seeing how and be able to, to notice like, oh, like my expectation of this, you know, it's so heavily influenced um, this experience of it. That's a good lesson for, for all of us to remember to be open-minded and have an open heart. So um, speaking of keeping things open, <laughs> this is an interesting segue. <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> squeeze in for it to make it work. Um, I would love to open up the floor to our live audience that's here right now to be able to ask uh, any questions for Hyperbits or myself as we're here for you. Uh, I'm curious if anyone has any uh, questions, if you'd like to come on here live, you can right click on your icon and raise your hand. I see Vaz has his hand up, so let's bring Vaz up. Hey, Vaz, how are you doing today? Hello, gentlemen, doing great. Thank you, outstanding. And one of the things I like what Michael's been doing is he's been talking about AI in a way that is trying to tear the veil, and you were doing it too, Sarah, in tearing the veil of of saying that it's your it's the creator for you. No, it's a tool to enhance your creativity. You use these tools. You come up with the hooks. You come up with uh, the the lyrics. You may need a little assistance to help pull the idea out, but um, but it's just a tool. That's all that it is. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Vaz. Appreciate the question. So, so to, uh, so to recap, it sounds like the, the big question is in terms of a baseline, uh, tool set for creating music nowadays, um, with the AWs, there are a lot of different options and yeah, I'd be curious to hear that as well in terms of what, is, what's your, uh, perspective on the current uh, available DAWs, um, are there ones that you would recommend over the other ones? How much do you think it matters versus just like doing it, whatever platform you're using, I'd be curious to hear. Yeah, I, I would lean towards the latter bit of what you just said and that it actually, it, this these days, it really doesn't matter. For a while, I think Reason didn't allow third-party plugins, so I would never have recommended that one, but they've since allowed that. So at, at this point, it really, to me, boils down to what makes you feel most at home and most comfortable. Like, just, just look at them. Like, you can download free trials for all of them, you know, like, mm. It's kind of like when I went car shopping a couple of years ago, I was like, I just sat down in like five different cars and like, which one felt like I was already, I already own this, you know? Um, hmm. I feel like a DAW is very similar. Like there's so many tools and so many resources for all of them. If you're a true beginner, it might make sense to stick with the major like three, which would be uh, Ableton Logic or FL Studio. Um, Pro Tools is another option, but... Um, I feel like they're a little bit more focused on like uh, recording bands and things like that. Like you can create in it, but I think that the workflows in there might be just a, a touch behind um, what you can do in uh, in like something like Ableton, FL, or Logic. I personally use Logic, but this is because I started with GarageBand and the transition <laughs> was so seamless. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. let's just let's just go all in on this. And if you have a friend who is already you know, using one of these DAWs, it could make sense to just use that one because you have an additional resource in your life. But yeah, at the end of the day, it, it, it truly doesn't matter. And the beautiful part about any one of these DAWs, especially this day and age, is that you actually, if you're on a budget, you don't even need anything else to get started. Like the, the 
the native plugins inside of any of these DAWs are so powerful and so like good enough to get started. Eventually you will want to, um, you know, invest in some third party plugins because they just are that much better and more powerful specifically in like the mixing and, and mastering world. Like if you take the Ableton limiter or the logic limiter and set the same exact settings in like fab filters, pro L two, same exact settings, F pro L, uh, pro L of by fab filters sounds so much better. Um, so eventually you want to upgrade, but to get started, you just, just use the, the native plugins and they're super, super powerful. Awesome. I, I do remember, uh, I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a while since I've been in my uh, music production shops, but I do remember FabFilter being one that I really liked. The, yeah. They had a great, I think there, there's a lot of them that have like visual uh, EQ now, but I remember FabFilter just had the one that felt most intuitive. The design was yeah, awesome. They're, they're, the aesthetics are such a big part of like, I feel like plugins these days. Like there's something called Soothe by Oak Sound that is essentially like a dynamic EQ suppressor where it, it's just responding to frequencies as they come up and did, like reducing them. And it's just mm. beautiful to look at. Like, it's just, it's like the mm -hmm. most beautiful plugin. Like I love using it just cause it looks so good. And there's actually mm. another one. Um, I don't think it's like necessarily AI, but, um, waves factory has a plugin. I think it's just called equalizer. And what's cool about it is that you can just, just add it to any track and you just set an amount of how much you want to add or suppress to the e like to the to the sound and it automatically just like like responds to your music and can make things sound a lot uh cleaner and remove some of those harsh frequencies so things are getting wow things are getting really really cool like in that in that space uh and it's very fun to work with some of these tools because it also informs you about like, oh, like, oh, this was a muddy area. It, it pulled it out, you know? Like I, I didn't, maybe mm. I didn't hear that that one time or something. Um, so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really, really fun to use. <laughs> it's so cool. It, it reminds me of, there's this, there's this video that probably like 10 years ago when we were touring full time, um, we had a video producer friend and he shared this video with us. It was like a niche uh, comedy video that was only funny to people who uh, edit videos basically. But uh, it was called Skip the Render. And it was a YouTube video. And throughout the video, um, it was like a tutorial, video tutorial, but it was a parody, whereas like he would do things that just couldn't possibly happen. Um, so for example, he would be editing a video and he'd be like, okay, like these two guys are talking here, but I want one of them to be like holding a cigarette. And so yeah, I'm just going to highlight him and I'm going to type in, uh, you know, uh, you know, add a cigarette. And click on the the go button. It was like the magic, the magic button. And he clicked the magic button, and then it would like start processing. And be like, it's gonna want you to like render the video, but you just want to click on skip, skip the render, and it like skips it ahead, and it's just magically like now he's there. Like he, you know, and and basically he does things that are like ludicrous just by like drag and dropping and saying with natural language like I want this to happen, and you know, now that basically exists with, um, you know, mid journey and with chat GPT, you can, you can say like, I want to do X, Y, Z. And I, and you can, in Adobe, you can highlight something and just be like, I want it to look like this. And it'll just, you automatically generate that. So yeah, so interesting to think, yeah, to think that there might be a, a tool like that. In fact, I mean, it, that there is a tool like that, that you know, maybe it's earlier on, but it sounds like it's really useful that literally just like you put it, the plugin on the 
you know, on the channel and it just makes it sound good. It like EQs it for you. Yeah. So there, interesting. And, there, and there's some, uh, there's a tool by, uh, by mastering the mix that's called fuser and it does a very similar thing, but in response to other sounds. So you, you basically, you place the plugin on the thing that you want to suppress that you want to bring down in the mix. And then you route the side chain or the output to the other instrument so maybe you want to low a classic case piano right and, and vocals can vary you know similar range of uh, of tonality so you you place the plug in onto the piano you route it to the vocal and then you just hit like learn and it just it it dynamically suppresses it in response to it same thing with track spacer there's there's a lot of lot of plugins that can uh really help clean up your mix cuz sometimes you know like you 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 know you just pick similar sounds and they sound really good but together they clash and this is a great way to to give them you know give some space to them mm. it's so cool well hey hyperbits uh man it's been great uh connecting today the seric hyperbits i you know, i'll refer to you as hyperbits because um <laughs> yeah, that, that, i think it's a cool cool name but um thank you so much for taking the time to be here today i always enjoy having conversations with you um i personally i find it fascinating um just the current landscape of of music production as a whole and your mindset in general and how you live your life, I think is really inspiring. So thank you for, for sharing that. And, and I also really appreciate what you've built, you know, with your masterclass and with your community to really help to facilitate the creative process for artists and to be able to get that feedback from not necessarily just like their grandma or from <laughs> people on Reddit that, you know, maybe kind of trolling and, and not very, uh, constructive, uh, so uh, with that, I'd love to hear for anyone that's listening to this right now who's interested in learning more or you know, seeing um, the community that you've built in the masterclass, what would be the best place for them to go to dive deeper? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, we'll keep it super simple. Message me on Instagram, just at Hyperbits, or um, you can go to the website and hit the contact button and you know shoot us an email. But, um, but yeah, just 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 you can also email me, Sarek at hyperbits.com. So plenty, plenty of ways to connect or go to hyperbits.com and reach out there. That is awesome. <laughs> and thank you for uh, for offering that. It's just sometimes it blows my mind the accessibility, the opportunities that we have nowadays to be able to, you know, connect with people like yourself. Um, and it seems like in a lot of cases, we don't always um realize or take action on those opportunities. So I would definitely encourage everyone who's listening to this right now, if you've gotten value from this um, conversation, um, to reach out to Sarah personally, you just to establish contact and you know, build a relationship. It's extremely, extremely valuable. Yeah, just, just um, say what's up. We don't even have to talk about anything important. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We find the magic wherever it comes up. Yeah, good, ooh, good, good one to end on. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.